0: How do you sleep the night before you are about to meet your children for the first time? The answer is, you don't. I will never forget on February 4th in a hotel in Mumbai, India, thinking we were going to go to bed at 9 p.m. and wake up at 7 a.m. the next day totally refreshed and ready to literally double our family overnight. We awoken at midnight, both my husband and I, just laying there and thinking there is no way that we will be able to sleep anymore because our lives are fundamentally about to change. And fundamentally change, they did. You see, when my husband and I started the process of our adoption, we had no idea the amount of trial and tribulation and the amount of patience we would have to learn during that entire process. It literally changed my life. Not even bringing the kids home and meeting them. That was life-changing in a totally separate way. But the process of going through something where your heart so desperately wants it and you have absolutely no control over what's happening was something that fundamentally changed who I am now as a person. If you're in a season of waiting for something to happen right now, something that matters to you, that's important to you, that your heart is honestly yearning for, and you can't see the light at the other end of the tunnel, then this podcast is for you. I'm not going to be telling you what to do. It'll be a little bit different than all the other podcasts that I've done with you so far. Instead, in this podcast, I'm going to share our story, my story, what it looked like when I went through my season of waiting and how I saw answers to prayers, things happen that I never thought would have, and how I grew into what I believe is a better person than I was, than if I hadn't gone through that grueling and treacherous process of waiting to begin with. I hope this podcast encourages you and gives you hope. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in, and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. In the very first episode that I've done of this podcast about the four areas of attraction, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to podcast number one. It is the foundational podcast for this entire podcast that I do. But I talked about the four areas of attraction, the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And I talked about how spiritual attraction really has to do with your beliefs and values and making a change in your life, in the world around you, and your community and acting in those beliefs and values in a way that betters you and others. And I also shared in that first podcast how I knew from a young age because of the experience that that I had when my parents took me on a cruise at six years old. And I, for the first time in my life, saw poverty, saw children who didn't have enough. They didn't even have enough money to get food on their table at night, and it broke my heart. That experience fundamentally changed who I was going to be. It changed the trajectory of my life going forward because it put a place in my heart for children in need. And when I went into high school, it really blossomed even further to where I knew I wanted to adopt. And specifically, I knew I wanted to adopt from India. For me, I'm a Christian. So I absolutely believe that God had put that desire on my heart because where in the world would it have come from otherwise? But I knew one day I would want to adopt from India. I was obsessed with the culture. I loved so much about it. And then in college, I started a mission trip at my university, and we went and we stayed at an orphanage in India for three weeks. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life because it was heartbreaking but it also confirmed what I knew I wanted to do with my life, which was to be a mother to some Indian children. When I got back from that mission trip that I went to in India in January of 2010, I remember that is when my husband and I, right after that, went on our first date. And on that date, I was telling him about the trip, telling him about what I had done. And I said, just so you know, one day I'm going to be adopting from India. And of course, as our relationship progressed, it was something that continued to come up, but something he continued to be on board with. So even entering into our marriage, we knew that one day we would be adopting children from India. It was just going to happen. It's how it was going to (laughs) be. So fast forward seven, eight years into our marriage after my husband had gotten out of the military and we were finished moving around all over the world. So on January 29th, 2017, my husband and I entered into a month-long season of prayer and fasting with our church. And I had no idea what was going to come from that, but I, I remember going into it feeling anticipation. I didn't know what God was going to do, but I felt like he was about to do something. So for 30 days, we're praying, we're fasting, I'm seeking God, what he wants from me, and I felt like absolutely nothing was happening. I remember ending that month frustrated because I thought, when we pray and fast, God says he's going to move, he's going to do something, and nothing has happened. What did we just do for the past month? Well, over the next couple of months after that, my husband and I began to talk just kind of off and on about, is now the time to start adopting? In fact, we actually first said... We knew we wanted to adopt, but we felt like you were only supposed to adopt after you had had natural biological children. And so we were like, maybe it's time for us to start trying to have kids and then we'll be able to adopt. It was really just a means to be able to adopt our children one day in the future. So we kind of tried, kind of not. We, it it just, there was something that wasn't in it for both of us. We just really were half heartedly doing it. In August of that same year, we started a small group at our church, and we met a couple, the first couple I have ever met in my entire life at this point, who was finishing their adoption process with their daughter who lived in India. And we left that night just eyes open, awestruck. I was bawling because I was saying, this is a sign. We have met these people. This is something we've been talking about. And the day, and I remember the day before going to that small group praying and saying, "God, is this still something that you want us to do? Is adoption the next step? And the next night we meet these people. They were eager to share with us the information of their adoption agency and all of those things. But I will never forget getting home from small group that night and me saying to my husband, "Rob, this is an answer to prayer." And Rob saying back to me, we're not ready yet. And I knew that something as important as children, as adoption, was not something I could force my husband into. It would have to be something that would have to come from from his want and his timing to be ready on his own accord. So I did the hardest thing in the world and didn't push it anymore. I just said, great, we'll keep praying about it let me know when you're ready because I am ready. Several weeks later, Rob showed up in my office one day and basically said, I'm ready. Actually, no, specifically what he said was, I'm not ready to be a dad, but I'm always ready to do the right thing. Let's begin the process. Well, at this time, we began looking at different agencies and, and talking to some different people. And one of the unfortunate things that people continued to say to us was, oh my goodness, this is going to be so hard. Because you see, what we had on our hearts was that we wanted an older child. And at first, that, that was all that we knew. I had had dreams for years about an older girl And I remember saying this to a couple of people, and they said, oh, you don't want an older child. If you adopt an older child, then there's more attachment issues. They may never attach to you. It's going to be so much harder. You need to just adopt a child as young as possible. Well, that was discouraging, but we thought, well, maybe we have no idea what we're talking about. But as we continued to talk to people and and feel things out, we also began to have this sense that there were two children. And then we continued to talk to people again and ask questions. And people again were saying, oh my goodness, that's going to be impossible. Adopting siblings from India that that are under five years old, I mean, that is so rare that you might as well deem it impossible. And we were heartbroken. We thought, how could God put something on our hearts and then everyone's telling us it's impossible. Well, friends, the longer you've been around, you know God will definitely put things on your heart that people will tell you is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So it took us a while and we got so disheartened at one point that we stopped the search. But over time, we eventually found, I mean, it was seven months almost after we had begun the process, but we finally found an agency that said, if you believe that that is what God has put on your heart, then we are willing to wait as long as it takes with you so that you can find and be matched with and bring home your children. At the same time, my husband and me, our marriage started to get attacked. And my friend who was finishing up her adoption process with their daughter from India, her name is Sarah, she told me when we first started the process, she said, get ready. Because your marriage, your family, your thoughts, Satan is going to attack every single thing in your life that he can I said, great, I get it. I understand. I didn't get it or fully understand until it actually started happening to us. What I have found, especially in that season of my life to be true, is when you begin moving forward in what God has called you to do, the enemy's forces don't like it. They don't love it at all. And they will do everything to thwart it, to stop it, to distract you, to get you to give up no holds barred. For us, they knew, I mean, it, it was so clear that my anxiety, which is something I already have struggled with, and but at that time in my life, during that year and a half of our adoption process, daily was at a level nine out of 10. My anxiety clinged to everything around me. And my husband, in our relationship, he's not an anxious person at all. I'm a very anxious person. Instead, he struggles with anger. And in that season of his life, there was so much. I mean, it it was really like the enemy's forces knew exactly what strings to pull between the two of us that led to the most conflict we have ever gone through in our relationship. And we constantly had to come back to each other into remembering this is a spiritual attack. I fully believe that we went through an amazingly difficult season of spiritual warfare when we said yes to God and started moving forward. So as we were struggling through that, which heightened my anxiety even more, we also were still looking for another adoption agency. We finally found one who was willing to work with us, knowing that we wanted siblings, knowing that we wanted older children, so not newborns, but five and under. And they said, you know what, if that is what you believe God has put on your heart and in your mind, then we will go forward with you. We believe it with you. Let's do this. So then we started the actual adoption process, the home studies, the paperwork, the psychological evaluations, just there was so much that you have to do, which we did happily, took a long time, and we were so motivated to do it, to get it done. I knew somewhere there were two children waiting for us, and I just felt like everything depended on me, on me doing it right, on me being... Good enough on me performing because that is what I had done my whole life. Get good grades, achieve high things, and you'll, you'll get what you try to get. You'll succeed. And I took that same mindset into my adoption process, not knowing that God was going to completely break that off of me in ways that I had no comprehension. So after we get so much of the paperwork done, we're finally able to sit down and start the matching process. So up to this point, all we know is we want multiple children between the ages of zero to five. We had to identify which special needs we were willing to take on, which ones we felt like might be too heavy for us to accept. And once we gave all of that information to our adoption agency, they began looking every day in the India system of children that come up for adoption to find our match. And at this point, I no longer had any control over anything that was going to happen. In fact, I remember knowing the last thing I did have control over, it was some paperwork we had to send to USCIS in Washington, D.C. for immigration work and things. And I remember thinking this is the last thing that depends on me, F- sending it and making sure it gets there. Therefore, I'm overnighting it. Like, I'll get it there as quick as I can because it's the last thing I have control over. And I knew at that point there was nothing I could cling to. There was nothing I could do to make anything happen faster or better or, or anything. I had to completely trust what was going to happen from that point forward. We began the wait, the wait to be matched with our children. Months went by. And I kept having dreams. I kept having dreams two specifically that, that I remember. One of them was we were in a, like this arena. There was a ton of people. And I remember seeing these these two young children. It was always an older girl and a younger boy and i remember hearing so i couldn't get to them but i saw them kind of from across the way and there was a lot of people and i remember in my dream it was kind of like there was this overhead announcement saying keep waiting and i remember being jarred from my sleep that next morning it felt it felt like that phrase is what woke me from my sleep but i had a sense of peace and i had a sense of calm i'm not a crazy person and I'm not the kind of person who, who thinks that God is constantly talking to me or everything I encounter or experience is God, but I believe God was speaking to me in that dream, encouraging me to continue in the waiting because it was so difficult for me. I remember so many nights when my husband and I would get into bed and try and fall asleep that I would just cry. And I would ask my husband, although I was really asking God, where are our children? And it started this process for me of, is God listening? Is He there? Does He care? And I came face to face with what i really believed about god from that point backwards so from that point up to that point in my life which is that i believed that god was trying to punish me see i believed that somehow god was dangling this carrot in front of me and that i had to do something or perform in a certain way or achieve a certain thing in order for him to to see me as worthy enough or to grant me what what i was wanting this this yearning that was in my heart and i was now in a position where i couldn't do anything and so i would worry I would, I would try and think about everything that could go wrong. It's like I was trying to outsmart God. Like I was trying to see what his next move was going to be. <laughs> if he was trying to discipline me or to get me to have a stronger faith, and he was going to do that by, by taking this away from me. And so I, which I, I, that's what I believed. I mean, when I really got down to the bottom of it, that was my fear. Because how brilliant is it? for Satan and his forces, to get you to not just doubt God, but to doubt that God is good. So my doubt started to come in that God was actually wanting to hurt me. And you cannot outrun that. It was a break in my faith, a pretty big one, because that's kind of a big deal. So, I had daily fights with God. I mean, Genesis tells us how we wrestle. He Genesis tells us how Jacob wrestled with God, and I felt like there was a daily wrestling with God. Some days, I was just so distraught. <laughs> some days I was so disconnected. It was some days I was so numb, and some days I was so yearning. i mean, i I wanted so bad. To understand what God's plan and purpose was. And some days I was just so mad at him (laughs) because I knew that God had the ability to instantly make all of this happen, to match us with our children, to make the process go quicker, to bring us our children sooner rather than later. And he wasn't. Whatever you are yearning for and waiting for in your life, and you feel like God is Dangling a carrot on a stick. I know what that feels like. And then in late July, two days before my husband's birthday, we received the phone call that we had a match and we had our children. We opened up their files and there was this beautiful older girl, three and a half years old at the time, and a precious and adorable one and a half year old boy. We had never told anyone, not even our adoption agency, that we had wanted an older girl and a younger boy. We simply just said two kids. And that was it. That was all we specified. When we saw their faces, it was exactly what I had dreamed of, literally what I believe God had put on my heart and mind. We accepted the match. When we got their medical records and were looking through... Their information, we saw that our son was born January 29th, 2017. The reason that date is important is because at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that was the day that we began the prayer and fasting with our church. For a month where I felt like nothing happened, But I was very highly anticipating God to do something amazing. And then I felt like God didn't. And here we were a year and a half later. God had done it. And I had nothing to do with that. There are things that happen in our lives in the details that God is working out we aren't even aware of when they're happening. And I thought that I realized this in that moment. But what I didn't realize was that over the next six months, as we would continue to wait, as we would then go through the more grueling, probably, wait time, where now we've seen the pictures of our children, and we know their names, and we know where they are, and we can't go get them. We have to wait for paperwork, for governments. Like, seriously? (laughs) It was so difficult. And I had such high hopes and prayers that we would have them before my birthday or before Christmas. And neither of those things happened. And I remember just watching the days go on. And right before Christmas, I remember sitting with my sister and my mother just inconsolably crying talking about how we were missing the best days of their lives at this point my my daughter had already had a birthday so she had just turned 4 Now they were having Christmas. My son was about to have his birthday in January, and he was going to turn two, and I was just thinking, they're getting older, and we're missing it, and when will we ever be able to get with them, be with them, hold them, touch them, meet them in person? Because up to this point, we had two pictures, and it was hard. And it was a daily battle in learning to trust that God's timing was perfect even when I didn't believe it, even when I thought my timing was way more perfect because they would have been with me for Christmas. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So much more still had to happen in our adoption process. We had to pass court in Mumbai, India, get approval for all of these things. But the bottom line is this. We did. All of those things happened. Some of them took longer than I would have liked. Some of them went way quicker than I even expected. But at the, at the end of the day, it was my trust in God that He was going to guide this, that He was going to actually do in my life things that were good, that He cared for me, He loved me, He wasn't trying to punish me, that made a difference me realizing that. It was a process. We had to go through the process of adopting our kids, but I believe I had to go through a process of learning how to trust God. The adoption process saved me. It saved me. I saw so many times where God moved and worked and did amazing things. And the closer we got to being able to bring them home, the more amazing it became, even to the extent where there was, there was a time when we got to see their court orders. And I don't think we were supposed to, but we did. And it said, the court orders gave a timeline and it talked about how there was a period of time where they first went up for adoption in the summer of 2017, but then they were taken off for a period of six months because of some family issues with their birth family, and then were put back on. That timing perfectly aligned with when my husband and I first started the process, then paused and stopped to when we officially got back on and were able to start with the match. I mean, the the timing of it was perfect. It literally began to look like God was holding them for us. Like, okay, if you're say like he was saying to us, if you're gonna drag your feet, then I'm just gonna hold them over here and wait till you get back on track and get your stuff together and then and then we'll start this process again. I mean, the timing couldn't have been any clearer things that I never saw in the process. And then the other part is just seeing in the adoption process how God feels about us. We as his adopted children, how he would move mountains, how he wants to give us the exact same heir and inheritance as he does for Jesus, his son. And this was reflected even in the, the wording of the documents when we passed court in, in India, where it said that our children, Eliana Bumi Holmes and Arrow Mayank Holmes, would be given full inheritance and citizenship and all of those things, and their names would be changed, and they would be treated exactly like Biological children of me and Rob. And we read it and said, This is the gospel. This is the heart of God. So, all in the process, in the actual process of the adoption and in the mental process of the adoption that we were going through, it all became so clear that even when we didn't see it, even when I was crying wondering why God wasn't good, wondering why God wasn't seeing me or hearing me or answering my prayers, that he was working all things out, just as Romans 8 tells us. So we finally were able to pass court. We were getting ready to leave for India, and it was just after my son's second birthday in January of 2019. And I remember looking back on the past year of my life, and and I wrote something, and here's what I wrote. If you were to see the inside of my heart and my mind this time last year, you would have seen a woman ravaged by worry, fear, and doubt, debilitated. Every night, every morning, I had such a yearning for our children, and I did not believe that God would do it. I thought that God was going to give us this yearning and then hang it in front of us like a carrot on a stick that it would never come to be. Bottom line, I did not believe that God was good. If you would have asked me, I would have said, absolutely, God is good, but I didn't believe it. And I didn't know I didn't believe it. I did not trust God. And so I kept thinking I had to do something good to make God do something good. Maybe then he will give me the desires of my heart if I do all the work. Over the past year, I can say I am not the same person I was a year ago. In this process, I have had literally no control. I thought I did at times, but I never did. And at every turn, God has shown me that he is good because he is good, not because I do good. In fact, it has nothing to do with me. Never before in my life have I experienced this freedom that people talk about, but in the past year, I have been broken of my chains of fear and of anxiety. I know God is good. I know God is loving. I have a relationship with God like never before. I tell people I believe that in addition to us having two wonderful blessings of children, I believe God knew the only way to change me and my heart and see that He is good is by me going through this process, a blessing before the blessing. I know life will come, my trust will be tested in the future, but I never want to forget this, the miracles that I have seen over the past year in me, in my marriage, and in this process. In 2 Chronicles 20, the Israelites were facing their enemies, enemies that God could have gotten rid of earlier but didn't. God came to them and told them to get ready to go against them. But here's what God said. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I can just imagine if it were me and my army, I would be putting on all the armor and getting ready to fight. But the people knelt down and worshiped God. And when they set out the next morning, they went out singing to God. And God set all of Israel's enemies against each other when they began praising. And when the Israelites got there, they looked for the large army, but all they found were dead corpses laying on the ground. All they had to be was still. All they had to do was worship. God handled the rest. That is what God does for us. That's what he's done for me and it's what he's doing for you. So we come back to the night of February 5th. We lay down to sleep in Mumbai, India, to wake up the next day to meet our children the next time. But of course, you can't sleep the night before you're about to meet your children for the first time. So we spent from midnight till 10 a.m. because 10 a.m. is the time we were supposed to go and show up at the orphanage, and we just are... Journaling and talking, and I remember I wrote letters to both of my children because I didn't know how they were going to react to me. Were were they going to be excited? Were they going to be terrified? Were they going to love me? Were they going to hate me? I had no clue what to expect. So when we arrive at the orphanage, we spend the first thirty minutes speaking only with the orphanage director, and he's telling us a little bit more about their schedules, what they are used to eating, and in that process, he continues to tell us that for the past seven months, ever since we were matched with our children, every single week, the school psychologist at the orphanage, the caretakers of Boomy and Arrow, who are our children, would spend every week sitting down with pictures of me and Rob and our family and going through those pictures and telling Boomy and Arrow who we were and exactly what was about to happen, that they were going to get on a plane, that they were going to go back to America and live in this house. And there were pictures of the house and they spent every single week for seven months telling our children exactly what was going to happen. They were preparing them for the place that they were about to go friends for 7 months i was mad at god i was angry i was distraught i was worried i was anxious thinking that god didn't care that that he could make all this happen sooner well friends if he had made all of it happen sooner then my children wouldn't have had the consistent reminder and explanation of what was about to happen in their lives. The transition from them leaving that orphanage to coming to the hotel with us was beautiful. They knew and were prepared. The way the orphanage director said it when I asked him, do they know that they're leaving today? is He said, oh, Kimberly, they don't just know that they're leaving. They're excited. They've packed bags. We let them pick their favorite clothes and their favorite toys. They have a bag packed, and they are so ready to meet you both. That wouldn't have happened had it happened any sooner. If it had gone through my timeline, they would have been confused and unsure and terrified leaving that orphanage. But God, God made it to where they were prepared. They were aware, and they were excited. Our journey as parents, I can tell you a year and a half later, has not always been easy, but I will tell you this. Our children were prepared for us, and we were prepared for them. We attached amazingly. We had, honestly, a fantastic experience in our adoption to where day one I could not believe that these children did not come out of my body. My son acted so much like my husband in so many ways. My daughter was so much like me in so many ways. And we we definitely learned more about them as time went on and as their personalities started to emerge. And it's amazing to see what love does. I remember when I first held Arrow, he was so angry. He... He didn't smile. He couldn't, he couldn't even walk. He could not walk on uneven surfaces. On the grass outside, a hill, he would have to crawl up it. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't joyous. Today, he is literally the happiest person in the room. Any room you go in, his teachers at school say he smiles with his whole body that he knows the name of every other kid in his class before any other child knows other kids names. Bumi his she was said it said on her adoption paperwork when when we got the referral that she was developmentally delayed. She's ahead in her classes. I mean this is only God. And that's not to say that because they're doing so well and we've done it so well that that is what shows that it's God. But in our story Our time of trial and tribulation in the process was in the waiting. And friends, God does amazing things in your waiting. Whatever you're waiting for God to do right now, I don't know what it is and I don't know God's master plan, but I can assure you that God is making all things work together for good. It may not look the way you thought it would. It may not go on the timeline that you want it to, but God is working all things together for good. And it may not always feel like it's for your good, but it's for the good of the kingdom. It's for the good of the glory of God. And when you align yourself with his heart and his purpose and his dreams and his vision that he has for your life, you will find that good. Before we left for India, I told Rob that for the first time in my life, I was a hundred percent sure that I was stepping into exactly what God was calling me to do. I had a fear, but a peace that surpassed understanding. I didn't know what parenthood would look like, how these children would react to us, but I knew that God had called us to it. And if he calls you to it, then he's going to guide you through it. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He will never abandon you. He is always there with his hand out, ready to walk you through the trial and the tribulation. Here are the three key pies takeaways for today's episode. The first is don't let the trials stop you. Let them spark you. Things are going to be hard, especially when you feel like God has called you to do it. Don't let it stop you when you run into the obstacle, when you run into the wall. Instead, let it encourage you and rally you onward to keep going. The second key pie's takeaway is to be sensitive to your calling and even more than that for our Christian friends, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. To do this, you need to be aligned with prayer in Scripture. God speaks to us through His Word and through our souls and spirits, through the Holy Spirit. So be sensitive to that. Listen. Discern. Scripture tells us to test the spirits to know which ones are from God. Not everything that comes into your mind is from the Holy Spirit. Not everyone who comes into your life is guiding you to tell you to do what God wants you to do. You need to be able to test and discern what God's will and purpose is for your life. And the third one is God is never far. I honestly believe that it would have been easier for God to move a mountain, a literal mountain, than for God to put Boomy and Arrow, with me and Rob. Me, having gone through it, knowing everything that had to be overcome in order for us to be matched with those two children, it is only God. God could have moved the Himalayans easier than what he had to do to get this to happen. But he does that every single day. It's not going to end up looking the way you thought it would. It's not going to happen at the timeline you thought it would. It's not going to be easy, but God will never leave you. I hope that this story encourages you in your season of waiting to realize that God is there. He is with you, and he has good in store because he is good. Go get your free attraction assessment at itstartswithattraction.com. In this assessment, you will be able to self-assess yourself in all four areas of attraction to see the areas in which you could use the most growth and to identify the areas that you are already slaying it. Go get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well.